Good morning. How are you? We're still morning for another hour. So a couple hours after that, I'll be done preaching. Okay, hopefully no one falls out of a window and has some issues. If you don't know the story, read your Bible. So <clears throat> how are you guys? Good. Man, it's a good week. How many enjoy some of the outside weather? Here's what's funny is we went to dinner yesterday, um, took Nicole. Because Mother's Day is kind of a work day for her speaking on Mother's Day, we tried to pick a Saturday to celebrate, and we had some things going on last Saturday. So, um, so we went to a nursery yesterday, got all of her garden stuff, her plants, and planted yesterday. So then we picked a, a place to go to lunch, and she's like, for Mother's Day, it's always her dream to be able to eat outside. So we found a place, a great outside little spot, and, and then there, our kids started to complain it was hot. I'm like, whoa, 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 we're in Ohio, okay? You only get three to four months of good outside eating, and we are not going to complain we're hot. We're going to thank Jesus to, for being hot because we've been cold for the last five months. So I don't know if you guys are like me, but I just embraced it. And I was sweating, but the sun was just beating on me, and it just felt good. I was like, thank you, vitamin D. Let's, let's do this. Oh, man, you guys look great. It's so good to see some folks back, some folks that I didn't expect who are going through some trials right now. Also, some people that came back maybe last week. That's so good to see you. And, um, man, interesting times we live in, but how many believe that no matter what, Jesus is really good? Like, really good. Our worst stuff does not compare to the goodness and how good he really is. Like, no matter what junk we're going through, we know that we have the security of eternity and the promise of life abundance. So um, he's just really good. So I know some of you are managing some life things, like really, really major, major, major things, um, critical things. Um, but know that God's good. He's, he's got you. You are his child. You are his beloved. And he has you. He has your situation in his hands. And, um, and he is going to use it for his good. And you are going to get through this. Okay, that's a promise. It's a yes and an amen. Okay, it's his yes. It's his promise. It's our amen and sometimes our process. But he is, he's really good. Uh, if you miss Friday night, please make the next one. Friday night was the altar. Man, it was powerful. We were praying for our city. We were praying for our nation. We were, we were going after the wildest dreams ever. That was kind of one of the themes of the night. It's like, what have you been dreaming for? What dreams have been lost? And what are the wildest dreams? And dream bigger than that because that's what God's capable of. So I just encourage, if you miss Friday, go to the next one, but catch, like, like catch on, like hold on to that one, like dream big. And we started declaring over the microphone our dreams that the Lord has had for us, promises that have yet been fulfilled, prophecies that's been declared over your life. So right now, just grab onto that and go for it this next month, and uh, let's see Jesus do some wild things. So we've been in like a, a, a series, almost like heaven, last eternity, all right? It's been like a six-month deal, um, but I'm starting three weeks here on Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, last week, Nicole did an amazing job. The week before that, we heard Scott share some really cool stories that hopefully like, gave us a hunger to see the miraculous done around us. Hopefully created a spark or a hunger in us to reach those around us and, and lead people to signs, wonders, miracles, right? Healings, his goodness, his love, his power. So hopefully that ignited something and fanned a flame in you. Um, but today I'm going to start into this. We're going to continue in the go. So it's worship, grow, go. We're going to continue this basically based on the Great Commission. You know, Jesus was meeting with them, giving them assignment. And before they did that, they worshiped him. And then, like, he had cultivated relationship with them. They were, they were healthy, most of them. They were jacked up a little bit. 
They were, they were from some, some other sides of the tracks, if you know what I'm saying. They weren't perfect guys. They were, they were kind of some teenage misfits, honestly, when Jesus first met them. But Jesus kind of did like the, the unthinkable with them, and he molded them, and he poured into them, and he taught them. And we're going to focus on like the first parts of his teaching today and what that means for us. And, and then all of a sudden, he gave them this assignment, go into all the world, baptize them, right? Go, the great commission to go make disciples, so that's kind of what we've been in the last couple months here, and I'm going to continue to push in. But I want to, I want to, I want to really push into Holy Spirit. Steve, Steve was one of the go guys, and, and, and he was talking about, or Steve Justice, were you go or grow? Grow. Basically, the greatest growth is Jesus. Like, like when Jesus is in you, and he, and he did this thing, and he grabbed all of your attention, especially if you're a golf fan, right? So I'm going to try to grab your attention here in a little bit with, uh, with, with a sailboat story, all right, or at least some, some uh, illustrations. But anyway, we're going to do three weeks of Holy Spirit. Today is Holy Spirit in you. Next week is Holy Spirit upon you. And the third week, Memorial Day weekend, is going to be Holy Spirit through you, all right? And, and I just want to just clarify. I, I know some of this can be elementary. Some of it can be very basic. But sometimes it's the basic things of the gospel that we need to hear over and over and over. And sometimes we complicate and we want these great prophetic words and these great revelations when really it's the simplicity of the gospel that sometimes is the most effective. So who is Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit is the, is, is the spirit side of the Godhead. It's, it's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. And a lot of churches were really comfortable with God the Father, God the Creator, right? And then they're really comfortable with Jesus, the Son of God, coming to the earth to manifest, right? To live flesh, to die on a cross for us. And then a lot of times we get a little uncomfortable with Holy Spirit, so we just avoid that one. How many grew up in a denomination or church that you didn't hear a ton about Holy Spirit? I know my wife did, and, and, and that's okay, because sometimes it's just not necessarily preached against. It's just not a comfortability to say, well, we don't know, we're just going to avoid that one. Well, we are a church that's not going to avoid Holy Spirit. We welcome Holy Spirit. We welcome all of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, all the giftings of the Holy Spirit, all the empowerment of Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is, is a realm He's a distinct person, right? And he dwells in us, through us, around us. Our prayer this morning as a worship team and servants today, we meet as leaders, was that this house, Upper Room, would be a dwelling place for Holy Spirit. That our hearts, we as the tabernacle, the temples of God, will also be dwelling places of Holy Spirit. And we get to walk with Holy Spirit. So it's the third part of the Godhead. It's, it's, it's God in spirit, right? It is he himself living in us, through us, and around us. It's not some mystical, far-off thing. It's not this, this ghost or this crazy, weird thing. Holy Spirit is a person living inside us. And the moment we say yes to Jesus, the moment we ask him into our heart, the moment we receive the free gift of salvation, the Holy Spirit gets to dwell inside us. It's not a scary thing, all right? Holy Spirit is actually the opposite of scary. It promises to be a comforter, a guide, a nurturer, right? And this is the things that we talk about with Holy Spirit. It's also an empowerment to live beyond ourselves. Holy Spirit literally becomes an empowerment within me to live beyond myself, to convict me when I'm, when I'm, when I'm just falling short or, or just a little bit off true north, where my compass is just a little off. Holy Spirit brings me back to true north. There's the empowerment of Holy Spirit, and I'm excited over the next few weeks, but let me just tell you, like, I trust Holy Spirit to do as he wishes today. 
We don't have to wait three weeks to see signs, wonders, and miracles. We don't have to wait a week to see the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gifts manifest of the Holy Spirit. I'm open to that today. But we're going to start with Holy Spirit in us. So let me, let me start in, uh, in Romans 8 but before I get there. So we're going to really dwell in Romans 8 today. Uh, going to be in the first part of that chapter. Then we're going to go to Matthew 5 and a couple other short verses. But I want to tell you a story about a sailboat. Those of you who've been running here for a little while and part of this family, you've heard me share some funny stories about sail, sailing. And you're like, oh, pastor must be a sailor. No, no, I'm not. That's the problem, is that I'm a sucker for the all-inclusive hobby or hobie uh, sailboats. You guys ever see all-inclusives or the, you see the beaches and they have these, they're almost like mini catamarans. Well, usually when you go an all-inclusive, and Nicole and I have been to a couple, those are free, and you can check them out with sailing experience. So every time I'm like, yes, experienced, right? And I had one lesson once years ago after I crashed one, okay? So, so anyway, I, I have been stuck on a sailboat with no wind and no know-how to get out of that. I'm out in the middle of the ocean. I'm like drifting farther away, but there's no wind. I'm like, what do I do now? I don't know. And I'm like trying to work the rudder back and forth to pull me ashore. Like, so I'm literally an amateur. I know nothing about sailing, but I absolutely love it. So one time, and uh, I've shared some of these stories before, but one time, uh, our last time in St. Lucia, we were at a resort, and I was like, oh, sailboats. They're like, do you have boating experience? Yes, I do. I owned a ski boat for a number of years. They didn't ask if I have sailing experience. So yes, boating experience, yes. So I get out there, and all of a sudden, I locked my cleat. And, and that's, a, that's a lock for your rope that controls your sail, all right? That's a no-no. I wasn't aware of this because I'm an amateur. So I locked the cleat, and I'm cruising down. I'm like, looking cool, got my sunglasses on, got my phone in my pocket. Then all of a sudden, I hit past these mountains, and a streamlined wind comes. All of a sudden, Aaron, his phone, everything else goes up and over. My cleat was locked, and I could do nothing about it. And I jump away from the boat so it doesn't take me under the sail, and here I go on a ride. And then all of a sudden, I see the speedboat coming for me. The guys saw me. They were out on jet skis in the speedboat, and I felt so terrible. I was like, oh. I didn't know Nicole and the girls were watching from the resort room. They're like, that can't be our dad over there on a sideways sailboat. That can't be a daddy. It was me. <clears throat> So they have to pull and tow the sailboat into the shore, and its pontoon is all bent and totally, totally destroyed. I broke the sailboat, all right? Now, I, I want to just share with you about a sailboat and the wind briefly before we get into Holy Spirit. I believe that the wind is like Holy Spirit. The wind literally is Holy Spirit, and I'll get there in a moment. And, but the boat is just the vehicle. We are the vehicle. We are the vessel that God uses. And without the wind, without Holy Spirit, we're literally purposeless. We have no purpose. We have no point in our life. A sailboat has no purpose unless it has wind to push the sail. I've been stuck out there with no wind. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'll just enjoy the sun for a little bit until something changes, right? It's the same thing, and, and at times, we'll miss it. We'll lock in our own way. We'll lock our cleat in our own way and try to do things our own way and not be open to maneuver and move with Holy Spirit. And then we'll just invite God into what we're already doing. Holy Spirit, why don't you join me on this as I go the direction and the way I want to go, and God, why don't you just bless that? 
That, that's not the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. See, the wind and the Holy Spirit isn't taking you somewhere that you don't want to go. It's actually empowering you to go the direction God's called you to go. There's this Greek word in the, in the Bible, pneuma. And oftentimes it's used, and, and I just, I've done a word study on this. I preached this a couple years ago, so I don't want to get wrapped around the weeds on this. But the same word from pneuma is used for Holy Spirit, wind, and breath of God. It's the same word that's oftentimes interchangeable from breath, wind, and Holy Spirit. So we get to a verse like John 3, 5 through 8. And it says, Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Next week we're going to talk more about this born again experience and also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Born of water and Spirit. It says, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. Now, I want to focus on this line here. The wind blows where he wishes. And it says, so is everyone, oh, I'm sorry. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That same word wind is the same pneuma word for spirit at the end of that verse. It's the same. They use it twice. It's interchangeable. The wind and then. So then you get to Genesis 2-7. And let me just take you through this. It's from the same context, from Hebrew at least, but it's also translated to wind. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the nostrils of life, and man became a living being. Now there's a connection here with the Hebrew and Greek, both Holy Spirit words that mean breath or wind that are also meaning Holy Spirit. So the same breath that breathed life into Adam is the same breath that's breathing Holy Spirit into us today, giving us purpose, life, and empowerment. When we ask Jesus into our heart, all of a sudden we are now a new creature and there's life that's been breathed inside of us, not just around us, not just on the cross for eternity, but literally within us. When God breathed life into Adam, he breathed into his nostrils, filling his lungs and giving him instant life right there to be a living being. The same exact thing happens when we have a born again experience. When we say yes to Jesus, we admit our faults, we ask for forgiveness and we receive the free gift of salvation. All of a sudden, something shifts. I remember one of the most incredible things I studied in paramedic school was the gift of life. I remember studying the human body, and we start with anatomy and physiology, a full semester on anatomy and physiology. And I fell in love studying that and learning the body and how God created it. And you cannot deny the miraculous creation of a creator if you study the body. All of a sudden, on the first breath, we, we've got these little babies here now, and they're precious. And they give birth, and all of a sudden, that first breath, everything changes in that body. All of a sudden, the valves reverse, the arteries and the veins change their role. In that first breath, their lungs fill up and begin to function, and their heart sends the blood through their body. It's this amazing thing that only God can do that. On the first breath, something is instantly changed. Is it okay if I'm a little fired up today? It's the same thing with us. The moment we accept Jesus as Savior, the moment we give our hearts to him, that first breath is totally different, and we're no longer dependent on somebody else. We're no longer dependent on an umbilical cord or some other thing that doesn't work. We are now full-on new creatures in Christ. 
That first breath is life. That Holy Spirit breathes into us and God gives us a new, fresh life that's abundant. Holy Spirit gives us purpose, direction, and literally completeness. Let me go to Romans 8 here. Romans 8, 1 through 17. I was like, I thought I was reading more than that. I only saw seven on the notes. Romans 8. And I want to I just marinate in this in a moment. Now, this is Paul. He's, he's writing this letter to, to the church of Rome, and, 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 he's, and he's writing these writings. Now, he had just spent several chapters referencing faith and referencing faith in the form of salvation, literally saying, this is how you're saved. This is different things, chapter three and, and so on, and then chapter five, and he's saying, this is how salvation is, and now, now we're getting to this part, okay? And, and I just wanna say, like, there is no greater thing, back to John three, like, it's talking about this thing to where, like, the wind, we can't see where it comes from, but we know it's the wind of God. That's, that's faith, guys. We can't see the wind, but we see its effect. We can't see the wind blowing through the air, but we see the leaves turning. We see the grass blowing over. It's the same thing. Our faith in Jesus is we may not always be able to see him tangibly in physical form, but we see and feel and know the effect of it. That's the faith of salvation. That's the faith of the miraculous. That's the faith of something beyond ourselves that has to be Jesus. So we, we get into Romans 8. It says, so now... So again, he, he had been talking about um, several writings and chapters on salvation by faith. And he says, so now, he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you. How many are walking free today? So Paul's telling us that the Spirit assures us uh, that death to sin empowers us to walk freely in righteousness and holiness. So let's get into it. So the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the spirit. How many are starting to wonder how this connects to go? Trust me, it does. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to, the li to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by the sinful nature. Everybody say amen. amen. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. How many believe the moment we receive Jesus, His Spirit enters us? And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you have been made right with God. Here's the key verse for today. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. 
Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by, it, dic by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Is it getting kind of simple for us? We're presented with this choice to live by the Spirit versus living by the flesh. And let me just tell you, living by the Spirit is way more attractual to non-believers than living by the flesh. So in our choice to live by the Spirit and die to ourself and die to sin, all of a sudden our go becomes way more powerful because it isn't some double-minded hypocritical deal. I'm getting ahead of myself. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs to God's glory. But if we share his glory, we must also share his suffering. In order for us to be free, in order for us to be forgiven of sin, something had to die. Jesus paid a price for us to be free. Now, all of a sudden, when we receive that, we are empowered through his spirit that lives inside us to no longer struggle with this, with this sinful nature, but we get to choose this spiritual nature of righteousness, of holiness, of purity, of integrity. Let, let, let me move on here. There's this, there's this thing to where the old is gone, and now we put on this new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Paul says it like this in, in, in Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has been made new. All has come new. Listen, I was a wretched, old, like nasty, hateful, terrible man. But God. There was an insuddenly moment in my life that where I no longer struggled with who I used to be, I get to put on this new creation, this, this new body, this, this new realm, this new spirit called Jesus. And now I no longer struggle. It's not to say that that old man doesn't try to remind me of who he used to be. That's a lie. That's a lie, and lies belong in hell. So sometimes I gotta remind that old man, that, that nasty man who has a temper, that nasty man who's, who's, who's tempted to lust or tempted to look at things he shouldn't look at on the internet or do things or dive in things or, or whatever it might be for whatever you deal with, I have to remind that man he's dead and I'm a new creature in Christ. That's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I'm redeemed. I'm transformed. I was bought with a price. I was restored. I was made new. Just like each one of you in Jesus, you're no longer the old. You're the new. You don't have to go back through these things. Nicole was talking about cycles today, and so many people have been stuck in a cycle. These things that are squeezing us and challenging us and that are hard, are, they're starting to come out. Some of it's the fruit of last year, and some of that fruit's good. Some of it's been amazing. We, we love the family time. Nicole, we grew closer as a family. But in talking to some, it was hard. Addiction groups were shut down. Economy was affected. Jobs were lost. Health was affected. And all of a sudden, now we, we stuff, we stuff, we stuff. Last week, Nicole referenced this story in the Bible, the woman with the issue of blood. And she said, she's talking about Jesus, and her focus on the story was Jesus, how, how he, was, he was in tune with what was going on around him, and he was actually trying to get to a dead boy when this woman touched him and she was healed. The thing is, she was stuck in a cycle. 
The thing is, she was literally stuck in a cycle. And when we get stuck in a cycle, we're not able to fulfill the calling and the purpose that's on our life. Now, let me be more clear. She was stuck in a menstrual cycle that could not allow her to reproduce. And the Bible says we're to be fruitful and multiply. We're to reproduce ourselves for Jesus. Not just in the natural, not just with natural babies, but to the people around us to make disciples. And when we're stuck in a, when we're stuck in a cycle, we're distracted. The pain, the agony, the, the expense. It said that she, basically, she had spent all of her expenses on every doctor, expert, and realm in which she could try to get better. But the moment... The version that she read didn't descript, didn't, wasn't descriptive how she pushed through a crowd. She literally pushed through a mob of people to touch Jesus, and she was instantly healed. And he knew in that moment what happened. Who touched me? I felt healing leave my body. One touch from Jesus. All of a sudden, issues and cycles disappear, and we no longer struggle with what we used to struggle with. One touch from Jesus, one encounter, one touch of his love, one touch of his power. All of a sudden, I forget who I used to be. I forget the issue, and I walk in healing, and I walk in identity who God's called me to be. I walk in the Spirit. Now, I, want, I don't want to paint a picture that I walk perfectly. No. We all sin. We all fall short. But there is a destiny on our lives. There is a destiny on your life. There is a purpose within you. And the Holy Spirit not only compels you, but empowers you to live out that person, that identity, and that calling that's on your life. We live in this constant struggle, as Paul paints the picture in several of his writings, that there's a struggle between flesh and spirit. And oftentimes, even once he says, my spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak. It's this choice within us. When we focus on Jesus, when we worship Jesus, all of a sudden my focus is on him and what he can do rather than what I can't do. Because let me just be really honest, I can't walk in the spirit without his spirit. I can't walk in the anointing, the calling, the purpose, the, the righteousness without him. He is who makes me that. Let me, let me, let me continue on here. Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. I want to I focus on this because a couple weeks ago I talked about the alignment for the assignment. We talked about Jesus' baptism. And we, talk about, we talked about identity. 30 years walking as a son for three years of ministry. So suddenly, just after the baptism, the next stories are he's tempted. The enemy tries to tempt him and, and, and convince him of these lies, whether or not he is the son of God and all of these things, right? Then all of a sudden, he, he, he passes that test. So now he's walking in identity as a son. He's, he's honestly perfected that. Well, he's perfect. He's perfected everything. He's tempted, and now his ministry starts, and one of the things, he starts working some miracles, starts doing things, attracting crowds, and then comes the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, it talks about the Beatitudes. So he's talking about the character for the citizens of heaven. And, and at the beginning of 5, read that, okay? That's the character that we're going for here, all right? It's like fruits of the Spirit. Like, that is the Beatitudes, right? Be this, be that. Be kind, be good, be loving, right? We can go on the list and I could go in detail. But then all of a sudden he gets to this part. So he's saying, walk in this character. Walk in this character. Be like this. Shine in this way. And then it says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. 
You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. When the Spirit is living in us and we're walking in our calling, we are shining a light. We are adding salt to this boring world around us. We are adding flavor and variety and goodness, right? A little touch of flavor to the people and the things and the spheres of culture around us. And it says, no one lights up a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand and where it gives light to everyone in the house. This morning, you guys may not have been aware of this, but we had a malfunctioning light. And we could not get the thing to turn off. Worship started, it was, it was the third bank there. It would not turn off. It's flashing back there. I go and I'm trying to read the breaker panel in the very back and I can't figure out. There's seven. I was like, man, this could get really weird if I turn off the wrong breaker and just everything stops. And, I, and I'm like, it just, it would not turn off. It's just blinking. We can't get the switch to work. Literally the light switch would not turn off. It, it wouldn't go off. And I was like, well, that's cool. I'm preaching about being a light today. And Jesus is a lot like that. He puts a light in you and he never wants it to shut off. He wants us to walk in the spirit where we can't even figure out how to get it to shut off. All of a sudden, it just did it on its own. So I don't know. We could preach onto that, but we're going to move on, okay? It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let me, let me just say this. Walking in the spirit versus walking in nature or sin is to lead others to praise God. It's not so that I can look good. Listen, I'm not preaching for me to look good. I, I, lo I love affirmation. I really do. I'm just saying that right now. I love feedback. I love it. But I am not preaching for me. And let me just tell you, if I didn't get one feedback today, I'm preaching for an audience of one named Jesus. And I'm hoping others impacted by that. But listen, I am doing what I want to do. I'm being a dad who I am. I'm being a husband who I am. I'm being a fire lieutenant. I'm being an honest man of integrity and purity to lead others to him and to walk upright for the calling of God. It's not so I feel good about myself. It's not so you're like, man, he's perfect. No, I'm not perfect. I'm a hot mess all the time. But then all of a sudden, I'm like, no, but I'm a man of God. I'm a son of the king. I'm called. I'm called to be upright. I'm called to be holy. I'm called to walk in righteousness and purity. I'm not without temptation. I'm not without flaw. But what we do in good deeds is not just so we feel good about ourselves. Listen, it's to shine a light so others get exposed to this incredible creator and savior and healer and deliverer and redeemer named Jesus. 1 Peter 2.9 says it like this, but you are God's chosen treasure, the Passion Translation. I love it. You are God's chosen treasure, priest who are kings. You know he's called the king of kings? Who are the kings? messes with some theology because we, we think we're not good enough. We think we're not, we're not holy enough. No, we're not, but Jesus in us is. Holy Spirit in us is. So he says, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. That's powerful. You're his very own. You ever had that thought? Like, I am a child of the Most High King. 
Destiny wrote this, this simple lyric in this song when we were in youth group and, and we were doing worship and praise and just prophetic song. I am a child of the Most High King. And we would sing that over and over and over. And then we say, all right, all the girls, I am a daughter of the Most High King. Over and over and over. And then all the guys, I'm a son of the Most High King. And then we come back, everybody, I'm a child of the Most. And we would, this literally became our declaration of a youth group. Because we knew if we could get identity of who they are when they went out to high school the next day or college the next year and somebody was trying to convince them of who they were, they knew within them God of who they were. Bankers don't study counterfeit dollars. They they study the real deal. So when the counterfeit comes, they know it's not the real deal. God is reminding you today you are the real deal. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are empowered with his spirit to do great and mighty things. Let me read on here. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. That is your mandate. Your identity is who you are, and your mandate is to to exploit his goodness. And it's not just through miracles and healings. And that it's, it's, no, I live a life that's no longer in that sin because I'm empowered by this Holy Spirit and this Jesus that is the real deal. I'm no longer in a cycle. I've had breakthrough, and I never want to go back to that. I have a new addiction called Jesus. I don't want to go back to that old addiction. I have this new thing that makes me feel better and not depressed and want to take my life. I was in all of that. When I get to walk in his spirit, all of a sudden, that old stuff doesn't even matter to me anymore. I don't live out the glory days, the good old days. Man, that party was, no, every party I ever went to ended crappy. And I woke up the next day feeling worse and depressed and wanting to take my life. I never woke up better. When I'm in sin, and when you're in sin, and I could not outrun God, that's why I was full of hatred and nastiness. I hated people, all people, probably because I was walking in conviction that I couldn't feel his presence. Let me just say this, though. God has never turned his back on you. He has never stopped loving you, and he's never stopped forgiving you and redeeming you and restoring you and making all things new every single day. Amen. Let me finish this one verse, Philippians 2, 14 through 16. He says it like this. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, <laughs> among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let me just be really honest with you. I had to weed my garden. And I'm not talking about the one we planted in our garden boxes at our house yesterday. I'm talking about Instagram. (laughs) I had to weed it. Okay? That was, there's a lot of junk going on. And I want to shine a light. But what was happening is things were coming into me. The Bible says, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. I had to guard my heart and carry, like, change some things because it was changing my perspective on humanity, on hope, on Jesus. Is he really in control here? Is he really on the throne? Like, literally, these were the things that I was being convinced. And I was putting hope in a president to get back in office rather than a hope in a king that's always been reigning and ruling. I'm not saying that we're not trying to pursue righteousness and impact nations and all this through even politics and business and beyond, all right? But what I'm saying is my hope has to be in Jesus, and all of a sudden, I was no longer shining a light because the darkness was impacting me more than I was in the light. Let me, let me go on. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. 
We are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors. We are a reflection of who Jesus is. And we may not reach everybody around us, but we could act in such a stupid way, we could literally turn people away against Jesus. We may not be able to gain a witness for everybody. The Bible does talk about losing a witness. And let, let me just go through a few things. I'll be honest, one of the things I avoided Christianity in my life at a young age was hypocrisy, was double-mindedness, was not seeing breakthrough, was, was people talking this way on a Sunday and then I'm seeing something different on a weeknight or, or at a dinner or at a supper with pastors. And I'm seeing racial jokes and I'm hearing, hearing sexual jokes of pastors. Now, I'm not holding anybody to a perfect or high standard. I'm just saying, as believers, we should look different than the world. And if we don't, we may not be an attraction to the Jesus who's the King of Kings. So in our go is the Holy Spirit in us that we no longer look the way we used to look. We should look different. We, I literally had a lady come to church that we graduated high school with years ago. And she didn't know it was me. And then all of a sudden, she connected some dots. She's like, did you graduate from Tiff City this year? She's like, I didn't even recognize you. I didn't, and I could not believe that somebody could change this much. Therefore, I'm never coming back because I don't think God's that powerful. That is really what happened. But I got a story to tell. Ten years later, I'm still here. I'm still transformed, still redeemed. Still working in process to eternity. Not perfect, but maybe getting a little better each day. So but here's the deal. Literally did not recognize me, did not believe that somebody could transform from the bully, the, the womanizer, the partier, the crazy, messed up, depressed kid that I was. But God. And suddenly, the road to Damascus happened. Let me just put it to you this way, and I'm, I'm, I'm like fixing to close fix in the clothes um, we took a marriage class we had a, a marriage class here that we hosted many years uh, dynamic marriage I think is what it ca was called and um, it, was, it was this theory of deposits and withdrawals and they referenced a bank account and they, they referenced that basically we're in this commitment to one another that our goal is to make deposits to one another and at times, we are going to make withdrawals. It's, it's life. We're humans. At times, we're going to make withdrawals to the people around us. At times, I'm going to hurt you. At times, I'm going to let you down. At times, I'm, I'm going to maybe not be so favorable in your like, best friend category, okay? But the goal is that I make more deposits than I do withdrawals. It's the same thing as citizens of heaven, citizens of the kingdom, ambassadors of Christ, is that we're making more deposits to the people around us than withdrawals. And let me just tell you, one withdrawal, in my opinion, is equal to about 10 deposits. That's what I find. One negative thing will impact about 10 positive things. It takes about 10 of those to make up for this one thing. So I can say I'm a believer, I can pray healing for you, I can do all that stuff, but then the next day, you see me, you know, cheating on something, or you catch me lying about a story, or you, you see me, like, charging a different price for this or that, or not following through with my commitment, or lying to you, like, that is going to majorly affect your opinion of me. At work, I can do all these things. I can treat the guys. I can give them donuts. I can do these things, like really try to be the love of Jesus around them. 
But all of a sudden, if they hear me gossiping, or they hear me talking bad, or they hear something else, or I miss a commitment, or I fail a promise, all of a sudden, that one thing, I'm going to have to do 10 things to make up for it. Now, this is not a performance or earning system. That's not where I'm going. I'm saying literally living in the spirit realm, because I'm transformed and redeemed, allows me to walk in an integrity and a character that reflects Jesus. There should be a conviction that when I'm telling stories, I'm trying to be as accurate as I can with you. That I'm not saying 300 people were here when actually 150 were here. I struggle with that one. I mean, it looks like there's at least 500 people in the room right now. At least. Maybe, you know, I think maybe it's 900. I don't know. We're really growing. And there is honest mistakes, and I get that. But there is honest, terrible character, too. And walking in the spirit should not be terrible character. We should literally be living an example that we want our children to live, that I'm not lying to get out of trouble, that I'm apologizing and I'm owning it, and I'm owning my mistake. And let me just tell you, in that, there's way more grace and fruit than me trying to lie to get out of trouble. We were at a leader's retreat a couple months ago, and um, just very, very core group, maybe a dozen or less, and my dad and Patty were there, and our pastors, and just a couple others. And, and we were there, and uh, I mishandled a situation. I kind of popped off. I was like, are you serious? Really, what are you thinking about that? Right, I did kind of one of those. I was totally blindsided by something. I was like, I was just appalled, you know? And I was like, man, I did not expect that. So anyway, uh, all of a sudden we go on, we, we move past it, and uh, a few minutes later, I just, something was unsettled in my heart. I didn't feel peace. And I was like, I think I hurt some people. I was not a light of Jesus in that situation. So I stopped the entire meeting. We were talking about something different. And I said, listen, I, I have to apologize. I did not handle that appropriately. I did not handle that with the maturity that I should. And I am sorry uh, to this person and that person. I'm sorry to the entire group. And let me, let me just say, when you do that, afterwards, People were like, man, that was funny that you apologized and they did something you told them not to do, but you apologized. I was like, because I mishandled it. It wasn't about them, it was about me. I, I mishandled it regardless of the situation. And with some, there was more favor and more grace experienced in that than there was if I just blew it off and said, ah, it'll work itself out. There's something walking in uprightness and not double-mindedness. Double-mindedness means, yeah, I'll say this, I'll be this on Sunday, and then I'm gonna live my life outside of that. I look way different on Friday night and Saturday night and at work through the week than I do on Sunday morning. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let me, let me close this out. A couple things. How we walk in the Spirit. We put Jesus first. We put him first and we seek him every day, every moment. When we wake up, God, let me please you today. Let me glorify you. Let me shine a light for you. We walk in the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, right? Love. Wow, that's a great one. Let me just tell you this. God is love. If you walk in love, you're actually looking like Jesus, and the greatest gift is what? Love. And you're, they will know that you're my disciples by what? The love you show one to another. So love kind of is like this big umbrella that does a lot of things. Love births generosity, Christians should be generous. If you can't afford to tip good, don't go out to eat. If you're going to give a word to somebody, if you're going to go into business and pray for somebody, you better be extravagant and buy something. Don't be a taker. 
Christians are givers. Believers are givers. Holy Spirit gives. Freely I receive, freely I give. We're generous. We're generous with our time. We're generous with people. We're generous with our finances because we realize as a Christian, as a Christ follower, that it's not ours anyway. This is all borrowed. If I have excess, I want to give. If I don't have excess, I'm going to try to figure out a way to give. Not encourage you to be stupid about that, though. All right. Galatians 2.20 says this. We're good, Matt. I am officially closed in closing. Galatians 2.20, it was the theme verse of a youth group we followed for many years and um, had influence from. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, in Jesus, who loved me and gave himself for me. I owned a, a monument, or uh, I did own a monument company at one time. I owned a landscaping business at one time as well. I, I kind of like entrepreneurship and I like fun things. I'm a beekeeper. I just do weird things that I don't think very many people are doing. So um, when I owned a landscape company, Matt and I actually ended up owning it together. Once I kind of shared a vision, he's like, I'll do it with you. I was like, all right. The goal was to be able to mow the church for free. We were paying somebody to mow the church at the, back then. and. Um, it was like, man, we should just get a mower, pick up a few yards, it'll pay for the mower, we'll mow the church for free. That was the goal. First year, we had like 35 accounts, we spread 200 cubic yards of mulch, it was like this crazy thing. We realized how easy it was to have a good business by just two things. Do good work at a good price and keep your word. Be honest. That was it. It was called Integrity Lawn Services, and it had a cross for the T in integrity, and it was super easy. We turned away work all the time because people wanted to trust somebody. In a hopeless world, in a chaotic world, in a crazy world, people want to trust somebody. And let me just tell you, people are hard to trust (laughs) because we're people. We're going to let each other down. But there is this creator, there is this savior, there is this this amazing God named Jesus Christ who is so trustworthy and so full of hope, the only hope that's worth anything, the only joy that's true and authentic, the only love that is so empowering, it changes us literally. And we can be the vessel that the wind blows through to lead others to this amazing Messiah who will transform their lives, their classrooms, their hospitals, their customers, their clients, their employees, their families, their children and their grandchildren. I'll be honest, like, you ever heard the expression like, they're their own worst enemy? You ever heard that? Sometimes Christians, we are our own worst enemy because we're not walking to portray the real Jesus who's supposed to be living inside us. Why don't you stand with me? I really feel a call to repentance today. There's only one avenue for the Holy Spirit to get in you. It's to ask him to live in your heart, to forgive you. It's so easy. It's a promise. It's it's yours. He already gave himself and he promised when he was leaving, he would send a comforter and guide somebody who is greater even than him. Next week, we're going to talk about the day of Pentecost and Pentecost Sunday and Holy Spirit upon you. Today, it's about Holy Spirit within you and in you. 
And I wanna give you an invitation to ask Holy Spirit to dwell inside you. I wanna give you an invitation for repentance that may have left, you know, left you living in the natural or the sinful nature. I wanna give you an opportunity to confess and to, to give your heart so that you can live this abundant, empowered life in the spirit realm and not the sinful nature, natural realm. The Bible says nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus, nothing. No height, no depth, no principality, nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus. Sometimes we're stuck in a cycle. Sometimes we're focused more on our issue than we are on the solution. And sometimes we're stuck in this thing that we're not actually being able to live out our calling and have this full access, access to Jesus because we're in our own mess. Jesus gave himself, like all of himself for us. All we gotta do is say yes. It's really simple. I'm actually gonna open up the altar because sometimes I believe it takes a step. Like, let me just, let me, let me explain this. I don't believe his love requires us to do anything. It's just a yes. It's just an ask. That's it. His forgiveness is the same way. It's, it's, it's free. It's, it's grace. It's by faith that we're saved. But I think there's something in a deliverance realm. I believe there's something in a repentance realm. Repentance literally means turning away from, actually turning away and never doing that again. When the woman was caught in adultery, Jesus got in her dirt and, and, and wrote a message. He's not afraid to dig in our dirt. Then he looked at her and he says, now, now woman, you're healed. Go sin no more. Sometimes we wanna keep going back to that old nature, going back, and it's a cyclical thing that we're still in that addiction. We're still in that sin cycle. We're still in that thing. When Jesus all along died for you to be all the way free, all the way redeemed, all the way transformed, that we no longer think like the old man, we think like Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And in a moment, I'm gonna just open this up and in your own way, all you have to do is say, Jesus, live in me. Live through me. Live wildly with me. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I've made and I'm sorry for thinking and believing lies. Lord Spirit, Holy Spirit, live in me. I'm gonna begin that prayer right now. And as you feel led, if you feel a conviction, if you wanna stop the sin cycles or, or stop being selfish with yourself, like that's, that is a Christ follower, selflessness to live for Jesus, not ourselves. To live for others, not ourselves. To love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbors, ourselves. That's a Christ follower. Not, I want to live for me. I want to think the way I've always thought. I want to be in the old nature. I want to have one foot there and one foot here. That is not a Christ follower. It's selfless abandonment, reckless abandonment to live for Jesus, to ask him in our heart, and to create this hunger that he's so good. I want more of him. Holy Spirit, come right now and live in us. I'm gonna lead you to this prayer and as you feel led, just come up or in your own way, just ask Jesus in your heart. Jesus, we ask for conviction of correction of anything we're doing wrong. We ask for repentance and the forgiveness of our mistakes and our wrongdoing. We thank you for the freedom, Jesus. We thank you for the cross that you came and conquered death, hell, and the grave. That you came to seek and save that which was lost. That you who knew no sin forgives us of everything. You redeem us. You free us of shame, Jesus. We thank you. Holy Spirit, dwell in me. Holy Spirit, dwell in me. Come. Come live inside of me, Jesus. Let me be your dwelling place. 
I surrender to you, Jesus. I surrender to you. Just come right now, come. Just begin confessing, begin to ask for forgiveness, begin to make declarations that we will live in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, we live for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. And it's your yes and amen. We thank you that you make us righteous. You make us holy, Lord. You make us to live in the Spirit, Lord. We invite you to live in us, to have your way in us, Jesus. You're an all-consuming fire. We will not let pride get in the way. We will not let arrogance, we will not let lies get in the way. You are an all-consuming fire. And you breathe life into us. You breathe purpose into us. You created this moment in time. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of being saved, healed, and delivered, Jesus. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Just in your own way, just give him your heart. Just give him your yes. Just just create room for him. Lord, occupy our thoughts. Occupy our agendas. Occupy our schedule. Thank you, Jesus. We invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to do as you wish in our hearts, in this room, in this ministry. We surrender to you, Jesus. We submit to you, Jesus. to live you who lives in us the same spirit that raised you from the dead is the same spirit that dwells in us it's for breakthroughs that we are more than conquerors we are overcomers we are a royal priesthood set apart set apart for you a chosen generation set apart for you Jesus to come up front right now. We have some leaders that will have lanyards on and they would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. So if you need healing in your body, if, if you still like don't know the plan and the way to salvation, we want to make sure that's very clear and available to you. If you want Holy Spirit to live in you, to totally possess you, to dwell in you, to, to literally make change in your life, if you need healing in your body, if you need an encouraging word, if you need healing in your marriage, your finances, maybe you need something to shift right now with you. Maybe, maybe Nicole's call to breaking a cycle. Maybe you're struggling with some depression, maybe even some suicidal thoughts. 
we would love to pray for you right now. We will be here as long as you need us to be. There's gonna be a team out in the Narthex setting up for lunch. We would love for you to join us to figure out ways to get connected, ways to serve, but even a welcome lunch if you're saying yes to Upper Room and this is gonna be home and you're planting a stake in the ground to say, yep, this is, this is my people, this is my family, this is my home. We would love for you to join us for lunch and we'll share ways um, to be more connected and a little bit about us. So we love you, bless you guys. There's prayer available. We're gonna ask more prayer leaders to come up, please. If you're trained and you've been part of the prayer ministry, please just come up now, even if it's not your week, because I only see two. So uh, if you need prayer, please stay for prayer. Otherwise, we'll see you in a few minutes for lunch. We love you guys. Bless you.